and share lessons learned, the good, the bad, and the high conflict. We're your hosts, Dana. And Amanda. Just a couple of stepmoms who have struggled to find their role. Now let's grab a drink and talk some shit. Um, I just want to actually apologize to everybody just right now. For some reason, it, I think it just cut off our intro. So sorry, Amanda. <laughs> <laughs> it was like start as always. <laughs> We're really professional. Um, so just before we do get started for today, we just wanted to let everyone know that this episode may be a trigger to some, and we may be discussing discussing other sensitive topics as well, um, such as infertility, um, miscarriages, and what have you. Um, our goal is to shed some light on what other blended families are going through, and just to support one another. Um, today we have a special guest. We would like to welcome Sarah to the show, um, on Instagram. She can be found at UK stepmom, M-U-M. That's how we tell the difference apart. Yeah. <laughs> um, she is here to discuss, um, a very sensitive topic about infertility and how to be a positive co-parent. So welcome, Sarah. Thank you. It's amazing. Yay. Um, did you want to just tell us a little bit about yourself and what you've been up to? Yeah, so um, as you said, I'm UK stepmom on Instagram. Um, I started being a stepmom officially when I was 20 years old. Um, so six years ago when I was 20. Um, and I'm a stepmom to Lily, who's now eight, but she was two years old when I first became a stepmom. Hmm. Um, and myself, yeah, um, myself and my fiance Chris um, have been wanting to grow our family, I guess, for the last almost four years. We've been trying for a baby, trying to have that complete blended family, um, but sadly have, have had issues in that. So we recently launched a petition to be able to help um, moms in the UK, stepmoms in the UK have equal rights to other women um, with NHS IVF help. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah so you guys had quite a bit of traction on that right away, hey? Yeah, we've we've only had it running for about not even a month, um, and it's had so much traction already. So many lovely, kind messages from across the world, really. Just so many women and so many stepmoms and moms just joining together to fight the cause, I guess. That's so amazing. And like, was that something that you personally had kind of started to, I guess, make it vocalize it on social media? It's, I write a blog um, at ukstepmom.com. And basically, I've always been the kind of person that I can't say how I'm feeling out loud. I've always said things. <laughs> Um, I've always been I can't say that late I need to be able to um sort of type and and write things to express how I'm feeling um and my blog was set up to basically help other stepmoms that were going through stepmotherhood not knowing what to do where to turn um I know I would have needed it when I first started because none of the people that I were friends with or knew because I was 20 had been through the same experiences that I had so I wanted to share them but as we went through the infertility side of everything, I um, 
I wrote a blog post and I didn't intend to post it. It wasn't my intention to post it. It was just something that I felt that I needed to do. Um, and I basically, I showed it to my partner, Chris, and he he teared up. He was he was in tears with it, which is not something that he'd, he'd do or I'd even think of. And he said, like, look, you need to share this. You need to share your story, our story, because the amount of people that it could help overall will make you feel better and it'll help other people and if I the way I sort of deal with things is I if I feel that I can help someone else it makes me feel better with my own situation going on so I've kind of tried to do that with my blog and tried to do that with sharing sort of the infertility journey on social media sort of the the highs the lows and everything in between that's amazing yeah, the community is is so big when it comes to stepmoms now. And I don't think until we started this podcast, I don't think I realized like how strong of a community it actually is. Like, I don't know, like Amanda, we've met some pretty amazing people, Sarah, you being one of them of just like the journey that everybody's on is completely different, but it's almost the same in a weird way. Yeah, they're all very parallel in different ways. Yeah, yeah there's definitely no step that's on her own. That's it's. There's no one stepmom that's going through something and no one else has been through it before. We've all, even if it's just part of a situation, we all sort of come together and share our stories. And in the end, we're all going through the same kind of thing. Yeah, that's right. Um, Do you mind if I ask how you found out about um, the benefits in the UK not covering fertility treatments for step parents? Yeah. So, through it's it's a bit difficult because each of our locations has different rules um so basically in the location in the UK that I'm in um I'm allowed so much treatment before it gets to IVF so uh, I was actually in the hospital and um it was actually a junior doctor that highlighted that we wouldn't be eligible for um help with IVF on the NHS in our location uh, due to Chris having a child so there's so many things that you need to you need to have um, a certain body mass index you can't be overweight for example and you have to be within the age range you have to be under oh, 37 wow. I think it is to be able to be eligible anyway but I fit in all of those things other than Chris has a has a child from a previous relationship and the fact that I'm childless almost doesn't matter wow I'm really sorry to hear that. Honestly, Dana and I couldn't believe that that was a stipulation. When we first heard about it, we had more than a few conversations about it. Yeah, it's it's yeah, really we... difficult. And I think it makes it worse that it's... Go ahead, Sarah. Yeah, it makes it worse that it's almost a postcode. Yeah, it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's difficult because in some locations in the UK, you can. You can have IVF even if you're partner has a child from previous relationship it's allowed it depends on where you live and we just think that that's so unfair and it should be sort of something that's allowed across the board absolutely yeah yeah that's that's such a tough um a tough situation to be in and I honestly I can't imagine why that would be a stipulation on it like I know I think even in parts of the states because I'm a part of some um, infertility groups um, on Facebook and what have you. And I know a lot of them, they have to get down to, you know, a certain weight for your body to be healthy so that they can kind of 
I guess, guarantee and maybe give you a higher chance of a successful pregnancy, which, I mean, I guess I can understand a little bit, I guess, depending on your, you you know, your medical background. But I guess, you know, I I just can't imagine like putting a number on, oh, you know, your, your spouse or your boyfriend or whoever has a kid and, you know, you don't qualify. Yeah. And it's difficult because society tells us as stepmoms, we're not actually mums, we're not a biological mum and we shouldn't be treated as such. But then when it gets to, yeah, so when it gets to the IVF, why should we suddenly then be treated as biological mums and that we're not eligible for this help when society tells us as stepmoms, we're not actually mums? Yeah, that's such a big double standard. standard. Yeah. Gosh, do you, so... do you have you at any point of your journey felt resentment at all for you know being classified this way just because it's it's difficult because do you mean do I feel resentment towards Lily for because obviously without sort of having a stepchild, we wouldn't be in this situation. Is is that what you mean? Yeah, I mean, I think in general, I think it'd be natural to at least part of you feel a little bit resentful, maybe not directly at your stepchild, but just at the situation or her yeah. mom, maybe. Um, I think it's hard because from the side of, of um, sort of Lily, I'm I'm not resentful to her at all because she's been a massive part of my life and if anything she's made me want to be a mom even more because I've been able to experience that side of it and that just makes me want to be a mom even more and the fact that I think sometimes because I know that I'm the issue in this um, fertility journey I'm the one with polycystic ovary syndrome and that it's me that needs the help sort of in terms of doctors and everything it's nice that Chris has been able to experience fatherhood already just in case we can't go through that experience together. At least he's been able to experience it himself and I don't feel as much as if I'm letting him down because he's been able to go through it. Wow. Yeah, and I know I know that can sound kind of funny, um, I guess, coming from, from you, but it's, it's very true. I know I, I suffer some from some infertility issues myself. And I know, I guess it would be easy to be a little bit resentful in a, in a way, but I think I'm, a, I'm just like, I'm so thankful that I've met them and that she's in my life because I wouldn't be able to even experience a daughter at this point. Like I have my son and I think my lucky stars for him and he, we just got really, really lucky with him, but Um, I'm just grateful to at least have her. So I'm like, at the end of the day, if, you know, we're not able to have more children, then at least, you know, we have two healthy children and they might not be from both of us, but at least they're in our life, you know? Yeah, definitely. If I was not to have a child after all of this and after this sort of massive journey that we're going on, I know that Lily sees me as that mother figure and I've been able to build that relationship, which is more than some couples may ever have. If if you don't have stepchildren and you're going through this infertility journey, you may never experience being any kind of mother figure. So 
I am lucky in that aspect that I've been able to get this far in terms of of being a mum, even if it isn't a biological one. Right. So what is your relationship like with your um, stepdaughter's mum? My relationship with uh, my stepdaughter's mum is actually really good. It's it's really positive. It's something that I'm quite sort of proud of. And I think we're proud of together. We're almost, I wouldn't say f- friends, but we're, we're civil. We're nice to each other. I'm happy. Like she's happy for me to come around and um, see Lily. And she has a son as well with um, her new partner. And we'll all go out together on Lily's birthday. We'll all do something and focus on Lily, which really is really important to us in our family situation. But yeah, she actually understands um, my fertility issues. She knows exactly what's going on. She's tried to help give advice. She's um, signed the petition, shared it, done everything she can to help. And actually, when I was launching sort of my blog, she asked her permission first, not because I felt that I needed her permission to do it, but just out of respect and to sort of are you okay with me doing this? Because it's going to be sharing my life, but obviously you're part of my life so that you'll you'll be brought up in certain aspects of it. And she agreed with me that if we can help other stepmoms and mums, even if we can just help them get on or help them find a way around this situation, which so many families find themselves in nowadays, then why not? Why can't we help others? So it's actually really positive. It's 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 something that I am proud of and happy that we've got to this point where after six years we get on and we are close to a friendship. I think that's a pretty yeah, I think rare Dana and I Sorry. <laughs> no, that's okay. I was, I was just, just going to say, say I think that's why Dana and I wanted you on is we obviously don't have that relationship with our blended family, so we have questions. <laughs> ask away ask away (laughs) help us Sarah um no and and I think it gives some people a little glimmer of hope as well because I know I'm like okay one day one day soon we're gonna get along so I've been trying to be a little more you know I know it's not going to be the other way around where she reaches out to me um in any way shape or form so just like every now and then I'll try to like communicate like a little bit even just, just, oh, like she had a great day today or um, she had her math test. Um, do you mind if she calls you or, you know, to talk about it or anything like that? So um, a lot of times I don't get an answer still, but I think it's just like, okay, maybe one of these days she'll reciprocate and respond, you know? And I guess that's all I can do as a stepmom at this point. But the thing is, you're putting the feelers out. You're the one that's putting that effort in and showing the respect. And and sometimes that's all it takes. It just takes that little bit of respect and that little bit of understanding. I think I've said in in a few of my posts, I think one of the things for us has been I've tried to be respectful throughout. So I introduced myself to Lily's mum before I even met Lily. I made a point to Chris that I wanted to meet her mum and I wanted her mum to understand that I wasn't a threat. I wasn't there to take away her daughter. I wasn't there to be this evil, wicked stepmom role that people seem to 
have an idea that that's what we are, that I was just another human being that was there to love her daughter. Um, And sometimes mums don't like that. But I think I was in the very lucky situation where she was just happy that there was someone else there to love her child. Yeah, I think that's what we all wish for. Yeah. Yeah. And so at the beginning of your, um, of your co-parenting how do you relationship, you... Uh, Sarah, I was just going to ask, was it always like that in the beginning or did you have your hiccups um, or was there any type of drama in the beginning where maybe there was a hurdle that you guys were able to overcome? I wouldn't say that there was any certain hiccups. Um, obviously, we didn't know each other to be able to be friends straight away. And that's definitely not what happened. It took us a while um, to get used to each other and to be able to accept that this was this was life now. This was how it was going to be. I think um, it definitely helped that she had found someone else. And so uh, Lily's got a stepdad as well as a stepmom. And I think in that situation, it's a lot easier because what, they expect is what we expect in terms of um, how she treated me was the same kind of thing as how Chris would treat her new partner. So we both had that mutual understanding that how we wanted the other person to be treated was how we needed to treat that other person. Sorry, I think we're Makes lagging sense. a little bit with our connection here. <laughs> <laughs> That's totally fine. I think it should snap back here in a little bit. Um, um, <laughs> so do you have any tips for um, stepmoms or bio moms maybe that don't have or who are struggling with their relationship? I think one of the best tips that I can give is to try and put yourself in their shoes. So if you're a stepmom and you just started out as being a stepmom, think about how the bio mom's feeling. Not necessarily, oh, she's she's this evil person that doesn't want me to be friends with her child. Think about the fact that if it was your child and suddenly you've had had this child full time, there's you're, you're used to having them all the time and suddenly they're having to share their love with another woman. And if you try and think about it from that aspect, it must be so difficult being a bio mum then going through this. And then to the bio mums, think about this new woman is coming in. She doesn't know what to expect. She doesn't know how you're going to feel towards her. She doesn't know anything about parenting possibly if, if she's a stepmom that doesn't have children herself she's going to be shitting herself so just have like have that compassion and have that respect for each other to go we're both new to this we can either work together or we can fight and it's only the child that's going to be impacted if all you do is fight yeah and I think Dana and I have said before that these roles often bring out insecurities just that we have as women and within our yes, roles. It's definitely all just about the insecurities that we have in ourselves. And I think if, if we can overcome our own insecurities, we can probably help those wider relationships. Absolutely. 
Well, I feel a little less hopeless at this point. Oh, you're definitely not We're hopeless. We're all going to be friends. <laughs> <laughs> We're all going to sing Kumbaya and be best friends one day. I just know it. <laughs> um, I'm just hoping for It'll just amicable. I just, th- you know, like even for Mother's Day, I always just think like, man, how cool would it be to just like, not to take away from Mother's Day. I obviously think she should be with her mom, but it'd be so cool to just like go for lunch together one day. And just celebrate together. Yeah, that was yeah, that was a big win that I had as a stepmom last year. Um, basically, mm-hmm. Lily's mom. It was it was at our weekend, so she, uh, she would have Lily would have been with me anyway. Um, mm-hmm. But her mom invited both me and Lily round for us to have a girls' day, and that was a massive win for me last year. So the three of us had a day together. Chris wasn't even there. It was just the three of us having a girl day, got a takeaway, chilled out and actually enjoyed our time together and focused on Lily and then celebrated the fact that we're both, she's a biological mom and I'm a mom figure to Lily and Lily loved it. She loved having time with the two most important women in her life. Mm -hmm. I don't even know what I would do if my stepdaughter's mom asked me. I would not drink any drink she gave me. I'd be like, uh. It definitely, it definitely takes time. I think if, if that had happened in the first year, I would just freaked out and wouldn't have known what to do. But I think after six years, I'm kind of like, oh, this, this, it's a good step. It's a positive step. So. Yeah. <laughs> Especially now I'm that your stepdaughter is getting older too. It'll be nice. To yeah. Yeah. Like, I just feel like everyone always thinks I'm a threat. Like, it's like, oh gosh, look out for Dana. Like, she's going to be a threat. And it's like, I'm literally just here to like support and love. Like, even if it's from a distance, you know, <laughs> like, I'm literally no threat at all. So, yeah, I think when they, re- when they realize that you're not that threat that they've built up in their head, sometimes the image of someone that you imagine is worse than it actually is in real life. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes you just have to bite the bullet and go and introduce yourself to this person and accept that you're both going to be in that child's life. You do one thing or you do another. And it's only the child that can lose out if wow. you're fighting all the time or arguing or... Yeah, I think we've both seen well, the impact it has me. on... Damn this thing. <laughs> We're really struggling today. Usually it's not this bad. Um, I was just going to say that I feel like Lily's a really, really lucky girl. She sounds like. Uh, I like to think so. I hope so. <laughs> yeah. I think if everybody kind of had a similar situation to you guys, like mental health in kids in blended families would be drastically different. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. There's, it's just Lily definitely is a lucky, a lucky girl to be able to have parents that just focus on her. And I think sometimes they don't, they focus on their own emotions and it can be so difficult um, to even 
consider sharing a birthday party, for example. So every year we'll have a joint birthday party. I know like my first year, I was terrified because it wasn't just like Chris's family there. It was Lily's mum's family there, my family there, um, Lily's stepdad's family there. So it was the four sets of grandparents as well as the parents and friends. And it was overwhelming and it was hard to, um, not hard to deal with, but hard to almost accept that that was, that was the way things were going to be now. But mm-hmm. move forward move forward six years, it's, it's amazing to be able to experience it and not have to have three separate parties or to be able to do something and know that Lily's had the best time because she's been surrounded by so many people that love her and just want the best for her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's amazing. I think that makes a huge difference, you know, if you have two of the biological parents that at least know that they have the kid's best interest at heart, even if they aren't a fan of the other the other parent, like, it's like you could move mountains, you know, with that type of mindset. Um, and I, I, I wish for it just all the time. And again, I'm not saying we're perfect in any way. I'm sure we haven't like contributed over the last few years of like trying harder because I think we're just tired at this point but um man it's just like if we could just ignore all of our insecurities and everyone could just love her like I know she would have a better like my stepdaughter I know she would have a better mindset she struggles so much and she tells us all the time about kids at school and how their parents are separated but they're still best friends and like how she wishes it was like that instead of being so separate and scared to hurt someone's feelings and it's like oh that breaks my heart yeah you don't want you don't want the child to feel that way you don't want them to feel stuck in the middle and I think sometimes that can happen and you don't you don't want it to happen you don't want their childhood to be remembered of them having to pick whether they should be on mommy's side or daddy's side or who they need to love more or it's it needs to be equal it needs to be fair and they need to understand that they're the most important thing to their parents lives and it doesn't matter whether they agree or disagree sometimes they just need to be civil and to get on yeah they shouldn't have to worry about adult issues no, no not at all and it just that's... teaches them for the future uh, sorry I was just gonna say I think that's the conclusion that we've just come to and I think if anyone else is kind of in that situation where maybe it's one-sided, I mean, even as far as mediation and and going through the court process and speaking with arbitrators and judges, like we've always been told that we're the kinder side and that if they could give us any advice, it's just to, as hard as it is, is just to continue to be that kinder person, that kinder side of the family, hopefully eventually it'll just work itself out. But at least at the end of the day, when she grows up, she knows like we tried, we were kind, we still, you know, want to hear about, you know, all that you did over there. And we want to hear about them and you be able to talk freely about them. So as hard as it is sometimes when you're mad, it's like, you know, I ask questions, I follow up, I ask how things were, how was your mom's mother's day? I hope you spoiled her, you know, things like that, that are really hard to say. But yeah, you just yeah. see her light up. It's it, it must be. 
Yeah, it must be so difficult and it is difficult, but mm-hmm. it teaches them such a, an important lesson and it teaches your stepchildren how to be as when they're older. If they're in this situation when they're older, they're going to remember how their step parents and how their parents reacted and how they would want to be treated. So it's something that they're potentially going to use in the future as well. Yeah. yeah, and I think that's a big part, honestly. Like, I think a lot of us, a lot of people say they want to teach their kids, like, to respect others and be nice and la, 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 la. And then a lot of people in these situations are teaching their kids the exact opposite. You know, and like what Dana said, like, that's like thinking that one day she will be able to reflect and see that we always just had her best interest and we didn't talk badly about her mom in front of her, regardless of how much we had to say or you know, all these other things like that's something that I as I know our situation probably is never going to get to even where Dana's situation is, you know, where like they'll talk to you sometimes or like make eye contact with you. That's not (laughs) I don't think that'll happen for me. So I do have to remind myself that I'm doing it for her. And one day she'll be able to look back and hopefully like not even if she appreciates it, but just see that we tried. And that's all you can do, whether you've got an amazing relationship with um, the biological mom or whether she doesn't want anything to do with you and has never even met you. It doesn't matter. But as long as you've tried, then that's all you can ever be expected of. Yeah. Yeah. Man, what a hard role, hey? It's a tough gig. Yeah, yeah it's definitely one of the most difficult roles there is. Yeah, I've Normally done a lot we have- of... I was going to say, I've done a lot of things in my life that are tough, but like this one takes the cake and every year it's different, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Especially as they grow, I feel like the role changes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Lily's, Lily's eight now. So it's, it's getting close to her being a teenager and um, yeah, it's definitely going to change our role again. (laughs) Yeah. I'm similar as you, like I met my husband when I was 19 and my stepdaughter is now almost nine so we're almost exactly yeah pretty much the same yeah when you guys can relate a little bit more to the fact that yeah you guys were young and so your friends were probably still out gallivanting and living their life and partying and you kind of went into this role of like oh I'm kind of you know I'm a part of a family now and like it's probably more isolating than most people would think because like who are you going to talk to about that at that age yeah that's exactly how I felt and I I lost so many friends like the friends I have now majority of them are different to when I started being a stepmom because a lot of my friends that were there I was at uni they didn't understand that my responsibilities had completely changed and that suddenly I couldn't just go out partying when I wanted to, or I couldn't go out drinking or I couldn't do something necessarily last minute because not because I had to be here, but because I wanted to be, I didn't want to miss Lily's bedtime when she was here, or I didn't want to feel like I was taking myself away from this family time when we didn't have that much time with Lily at all. So I didn't want to do those things when Lily was here. I wanted to be able to be that family person and that mother role when she was here. And a lot of my friends didn't understand that. They didn't want to understand that. And they just drifted apart from me, I guess. Yeah, I relate to that a lot. (laughs) (laughs) 
um, your friends that you have had long term. Um, sorry, switching a little bit to our previous topic about the infertility. Do you have friends that are really good at being supportive and like there for you during it or? Yeah. Um, my best friend is actually the most incredible person. She's been through so many things with, uh, infertility. She's, um, she's gone through the losses. She's gone through the trying. She's gone through having to take medication. Um, it was her first round of medication that made her, um, twins that she's got now and they're beautiful. Um, and she understands, even though she's now got to that final end point and she's had her children, she understands every single step that I'm going through and everything, and every single emotion that I feel she has felt. So I get that support network from her. And honestly, I don't know what I'd do without her some days because there's some days that it's just, you you know, it's just so difficult. And it's you, you see a pram in the street or you see um, an advert come on, on on the TV and there's babies in it or you see another pregnancy announcement on Facebook and every time you see it, it's just that ache in your stomach or ache in your heart that it's not you and it could be you, but it's not and it's not your time yet and you don't know if it's ever going to be your time. And to have someone that actually understands that and can be that shoulder, as amazing as Chris is, He's never going to understand that feeling that I have in here that I need to be a mum and that I crave to be a mum. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's that unknown of like, I guess, too, of just like doing what you can on your part since you're not, you know, eligible for a lot of things where you are. So it's the unknown of like, is this going to happen? And I know I'm like a control freak. So I like to know what the future holds and what we're going to be doing and where we're going to be and how many of us are going to be there. And it's like to not know those things can be scary. Yeah. So letting yeah, go. We, yeah. We started trying for a baby. I think it was about a month after we got engaged and we were going to wait. It was supposed to be three years. It's now four years that we're getting married since because of covid but I had every intention that we were going to try for a baby I was going to get pregnant I was going to have an hour's baby at the wedding and then like this complete blended family was going to be at the wedding the wedding photos were going to be amazing because I'd have my baby in my arms and I'd have Lily next to me and we'd have this complete wedding image um, of our family that we can cherish forever and the reality of that now is that even if I got pregnant now, that baby's not going to be at our wedding in October. It's impossible. So mm-hmm. it's that realization, I guess, that that's not going to happen. Yeah, that's tough. Um, I guess that was going to be one of my questions too, because I know we don't exactly have the same thing going on, but as far as um, we've been trying for, I guess it would be six years now um, with like, there's never been a positive pregnancy test ever. Um, And for those that don't know, I guess I do. um, I don't produce enough eggs, 
I guess is what I've been told. Um, and there's no, there's no medication. There's nothing you can really do. Um, medically, I think there's a lot of holistic things that maybe, um, I've been trying to look into a little bit more to kind of help boost the quality. Um, so I know in the beginning of us trying, we talked a lot about the baby and what their name would be and who they would be and what they would be like and kind of envisioning that new person added to the family. And over the last year or two, maybe I like, we don't, we don't talk about that baby anymore because it's just like kind of getting your hopes up. And maybe we're just talking about somebody who might never exist. Um, so to protect myself and maybe my my spouse too, we we kind of have altered our future a little bit as like what we envision. Do, do you feel any way about that? Do you, have you and your husband kind of altered that, or are you still very like this is who you know this is who we're going to have in the future? I think we. Because we've got a three-bedroom house, that spare room is not a spare room, it's the baby's room. And I think even Lily says that now, it's, it's oh, that's, that's going to be the baby's room. And I think we try to, at the moment, keep that positivity in there and keep that, this could happen. Like, I've still got certain amounts of um, medication I can still take. I've got an operation I could still have. I've got IVF that I could still have. Like, um, people say that, oh you're still young and to me maybe I'm not that young anymore in terms of, of being able to have a baby we've been trying for that long I don't feel young but in the grand scheme of things I probably am still young I'm, I've, I've still got that opportunity so I try my yes. hardest to be positive and there's there's days like Chris Chris would be able to tell you there are days where I will just sit and I will cry and I'll be the most negative person you've ever met because on that day, I just feel like I don't have hope that there's not going to be that baby in my arms. But mm -hmm. overall, I try to be positive. I try to have that idea that the time isn't right yet, but my baby's gonna, my baby's gonna be here. Yeah. Um, what I I I asked about it on my Instagram the other day actually, because um, someone suggested that I got um, a baby grow. And so that it was there ready for my baby and it was that bit of hope. And I had so many people say, don't do it. Don't buy one. Don't do it. Um, and I'm stubborn, so I bought it anyway. Um, <laughs> and, <laughs> and so it's in my drawer. And literally, it makes me smile every time I hold it because it's just that idea that one day I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a baby in, in my stomach there that's going to fit into this baby grow and it's going to be amazing and it's it's tiny and it's it's just it gives me that bit of hope maybe in a few years time I won't want to if I've not had a baby by then I won't even want to look at it but at the moment that's my little bit of hope that's my little bit of of love that I can give to that baby grow which may sound absolutely mental but for me it's working I don't think it sounds I don't think it sounds that way at all I think it's it's all about your mindset right? Like it's the, even the holistic doctor that I said, I said, he's like, you need to keep it in your head that it's going to be a possibility and that it is going to happen. And so, um, I think, I think it's really helpful and probably healthy for you to be doing that right now. 
Um, I, I don't feel like we're, we're very healthy about it. I think we're just kind of like ignoring it, maybe like ignoring the issue and just trying to carry on with life. Um, and I don't maybe think that's very healthy, but, um, maybe I should do that. <laughs> Get a baby grow. Do it. Just do it. <laughs> yeah. Something that I was yeah, something that I was suggested as well, which I thought was an absolutely amazing idea. Um, I don't know if you have that where you are, but in the UK we have um, a Build-A-Bear where you can go and create your own teddy bear. And it was suggested that we go as a family and Lily can help me create a bear that will one day be the baby's bear um, so that she can make her own bear, they can have a matching bear, or we can just make one and it can be in her room, but she knows that that will be her gift to the new baby and that it's always going to have that intention and we can put a little heart in it and a little message in it and it's going to be this this bear that's going to be for the baby when it arrives um, and I just thought that was an amazing idea to be able to have that hope but that hope as a family not just as me on my own. That is a really sweet idea. No, that is really cute. I like that one too. I like talking to people. I- <laughs> I definitely think the positivity and the mindset is all, it all is intertwined, but it's so much easier said than done. Yeah. Yeah. I'd I'd be a hypocrite if I said that I'm always positive about trying for a baby because I'm I'm not. And I don't think anyone can ever say they're a hundred percent positive when you're going through infertility because you just, you just can't be. It's just, I physically don't have it in me to be positive a hundred percent of the time. I just, yeah. I just can't. Um, I, ha- I suffered two miscarriages within a few months' time, um, and at the time I was actually working in a maternity unit. So, my desk right directly behind me was the window where you could see all the newborn babies, oh. and like I would be like physically ill at work trying, like hearing the cries and yeah. all these things, like my body just ached for it. It was. Yeah. It's that sounds, I, I, I wouldn't have been able to deal with that. That must have been just horrible to even. No, I couldn't even imagine that. I know when we went for our first appointment with the doctor, the, we heard a baby cry in the other room and the doctor said to me, are you sure you even want one of those? And it's obviously not the same thing, but it's that, that feeling of just, heartbreak you just you can physically people like say it but until you've been through you actually feel your heart breaking sometimes with these kind of things I just have to say I'm I'm amazed at how at what the reaction from some of these doctors are when you're going in there looking for help and positivity and that's not at all what you're getting in a lot of this a lot of the time yeah it's so difficult I think sometimes people just don't, they don't even think, I don't think some doctors even think about things. So when I was going for fertility treatment in our hospital, the waiting room was the same waiting room I found out afterwards um, for women getting abortions. And they put, they put people in the same room, in the same waiting room. And I was like, how could you even think that that was a good idea to put people that are so desperately craving 
a family and a baby in the same waiting room as someone that's having an abortion and I'm not against abortions at all there's people there's certain reasons people have them and I've, I've got no sort of feeling for or against it it's, it's whatever someone's decision is but don't put me in the same room as one when I'm sat there craving and trying my hardest to be able to make a baby in the first place just doesn't make sense wow yeah that sounds like an that issue me away a little bit mm-hmm. yeah. yeah um sarah i wanted to ask yeah. you a little bit about um, how how these issues i guess have affected your marriage at all or if they have at all or have you guys had your ups and downs Definitely had our ups and downs. Um, 2019 was our year, I guess, that we did we did nearly break up. It was it was a really difficult time for us, and I think a lot of that was built from the pressure of trying for a baby. And um, we drifted apart. There was other issues there, but I think that communication that we had just sort of dwindled. I guess it it disappeared for a moment because we put everything into trying for a baby and obviously it wasn't happening. So I was just upset or crying all the time. I didn't feel like I was talking to Chris enough about it. Whereas he thought it was just, it was just too much. I think it was too much for the both of us. And we did have to sort of take a break from trying, take a break from each other almost. And I think Chris stayed in a hotel for two weeks because we just, we couldn't deal with that pressure of trying and me feeling a failure. And I think it wasn't until we actually started communicating again that we were able to build our relationship back up. And we're the strongest now that we've ever been. And that's thanks to the communication. But definitely trying for a baby, it it did nearly break us. And it breaks up so many relationships that you wouldn't even realize because you always feel like, sometimes like it just takes the fun out of it it takes everything out of it because you're focusing on something that you usually have have fun having sex and it's 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 an enjoyable experience and suddenly when you're regimenting it and the doctor's saying you need to be having sex every other day and you're having it every other day because you want to become a woman you want to have a family and that pressure build up you just sat there like why why are we doing this you forget the reason that you want a baby and a family in the first place. And that's because you love each other and you want to build on that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I can totally relate to that. I'm always just like, um, sex every other day. Are you friggin' kidding me? <laughs> like that, honestly, I mean, I guess it doesn't sound, it doesn't sound like, like you, I guess you should be able to make the time to do that. But when, you know, you factor in all the other things, like, I don't know if they told you about like tilting your pelvis again, like once, you know, you guys are finished and everything and you need to lay there for an hour. And I thought, oh man, like, I mean, I, I guess all the things that, that they tell me, it's, over- it's overwhelming. <laughs> yeah. And they literally, I've had so many people try and give me advice that they're not having fertility issues. They've they've got their children and they're trying to give me advice and they're like, oh, just lay upside down for an hour afterwards. I'm like, I'm not going to just go and lay upside down. It's not, not happening. <laughs> it's not that simple. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hmm. 
Well, what do um, so you is there anything that you do to? <laughs> Go, is there anything that you do to stay positive or um, just kind of keep your spirits up about everything? I think my baby grow at the moment is what's keeping me positive. Um, as silly as it sounds, it's just that little bit of hope that's in my drawer that I can just have a look at it and say, this is what I'm fighting for. This is what I'm I'm doing it all for is to be able to have something to put, put my baby grow in. <laughs> have that, have that little, that little baby, that little bundle of joy that I can bring home and that experience of being a mum from the offset from the beginning and not coming part way through like I have done as a stepmom. That's that positive element for it. Yeah. Sorry, Dana, did you want to ask your question? <laughs> no, I'm done now. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I don't know why we're having those. Maybe it's kids, kids on iPads or something. Hey, that could be. Yeah, maybe we'll blame the kids today. We'll blame, we'll blame them. Um, I did want to let you know, Sarah, we do have, um, I was kind of just perusing through on Google the other night and I saw that actually, and I wasn't aware of this, that in Canada here, we have an infertility awareness week. Um, and this year it was from April, April 18th to the 24th. And you can connect and engage, um, with other people who suffer, um, from infertility, um, they have like virtual seminars, they have um, infertility specialists and like just ways that you can connect with others to um, maybe just talk about um, your journey a little bit. Is this something that you guys have or have heard of in the UK or is it something that you guys have? Yeah, we do have Infertility Awareness Week. Um and it happened to fall completely by chance uh, the week we started our petition. That was uh, Infertility Awareness uh, Week in the UK. And it was the week that we uh, launched our petition. Um, just on the off chance, we found that out afterwards. But I think that was almost fate for us, I guess, is that we we're wanting to raise that awareness about the petition. And it just happened to be in a week where that's going to be sort of the trending hashtag in the UK and it's going to be the week where people are actually sat and listening. That's awesome. You guys did oh, so well awesome. with that. Um, do either of you have any advice for anyone starting out on this journey? Hmm. Sarah, I can let you go first if you like. Yeah, yeah, that's advice. Um, advice. I don't know. Just try as hard as you can to be positive and just make sure that you're communicating with your partner about how you're feeling. As hard as it is to talk about sometimes, the biggest thing for me has been communication and being able to share how I'm feeling with Chris and to realize that he's been feeling the same way too and I didn't even realize for so long because I was so focused on how I was feeling about things that I didn't even 
ask how how Chris was feeling like because I just assumed that he wasn't that bothered, especially as someone that's already got a, got a child that he wouldn't mind if he didn't have any more. Whereas it's the experience with me that he wants to have that with, and yeah, so just communicate, make sure you're talking because if you're not talking, you haven't got that strong connection that you need to be able to have to get through yeah yeah I think I think you're right about that I think communication is huge even even with um even with others um I know I don't have anybody personally um I mean besides Amanda here um that I like communicate about it with because I don't feel like maybe um and maybe there are other people going through it and I don't know um, because we just don't talk about it. But I think just like some of the online communities have been really helpful. Um, it also encourages me when you've, you know, you have people on here on the one group and they'll say, oh, um, you know, after nine years of trying, can I be added to the pregnancy group? And just sometimes seeing those, I'm like, okay like length of time maybe doesn't matter. It so it just happens and there's a time that it's going to be your time. So I think just community for me personally online was really helpful. And maybe I'm wrong in the sense that others find it maybe a little discouraging at some times or overwhelming. But to me, it was more of like, a okay, I really don't feel like I'm the only one in the world going through this. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, um, do, you, do you, are there any ways that your like friends or family could be more supportive or, cause I know like, even like for me, when I had my miscarriages, nobody really knows what to say. And then I often don't know what to say because I, I, I do have my biological children and I'm very thankful for them. It also doesn't go I'm not, um, like, I'm very thankful and I know that I am lucky to be where I am. So is there any way that, like, the people around you could be more empathetic or supportive? I think sometimes it's not about what you say, it's the actions that you have. So just to say to someone, look, I'm here for you. I don't know what to say to you right now, but just know I'm here. I'm that shoulder to cry on if you need it. And that can go so much further than trying to think of things that you think you should say to someone. Ditto. I feel the same way. Usually the only person, and honestly, sometimes I'm like, um, and I do get why people don't, I don't ask about it. Um, Me personally, I'm like, I guess I'm really open to people asking about it. And sometimes I'm like, oh, like, I feel like everyone just maybe doesn't care. But at the same time, it's like, no, they probably just don't know what to say. So I guess the fact, I guess it probably depends on who you are. But just kind of like checking in every now and then is really, um, obviously, maybe not every time you talk to talk to that person, because that might seem overwhelming. But every now and then just check in and say, hey, how's that going? Um, do you need to vent? It's nice. Yeah. Yeah, because I think a lot of people do have really good intentions and 
often they just avoid it thinking that they're going to do more harm than good by saying something. You don't want the issue to be ignored, but you also don't want to feel overwhelmed. It's kind of a nice balance where you feel supported, but you don't feel like they're asking you everything to jump under the sun to try and dig deeper into what's happening. Yeah, that's so true. Absolutely. Um, I think... I think that's been really great, Sarah. And I really, I really appreciate, we really appreciate talking with you and you sharing your journey and your story. And um, I mean, it sounds like you've got so many good things coming up and you guys are doing an amazing job um, with the petition. Um, So I think it'd be a good time for you to maybe tell people maybe where you can find it or um, how can they support you guys? Yeah, so uh, the petition, the link to the petition is in my bio uh, on Instagram at UK Stepmom, or it's in the bio of the Stepmom Collective, which is just at the Stepmom Collective, uh, Stepmom M-U-M uh, in the UK. So uh, yeah, it, it's it's in there. It's, feel free to sign and share as far as wide as you can if there's any listeners in the uk then you can contact uh, your local mp for further support um and feel free to drop me a message a message if you want to find out more about doing that awesome awesome well thank you so much again sarah again we really appreciate having you on here um and we hope we can chat again soon <laughs> Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Awesome. Well, thank you for listening to another Mother Podcast and being a part of our community. And remember, no matter how unique your situation, you are not alone. To be a part of the show, make an episode topic suggestion or to share your story, please email info at nothermotherpodcast.ca and make sure to follow at nothermotherpodcast on Facebook and Instagram. And please leave us a rating on your preferred podcast app if you enjoyed the show. Bye.